Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I hope everyone out there is doing great and has had a great week. I've had a busy week myself. I've been traveling again. I went to another orthodontic meeting, this time in Detroit. A very interesting meeting where we talked about intraoral scanners, 3D printing, and really the future of orthodontics and some of these technologies, how they'll be affecting our practices and how they'll be affecting the broader marketplace. I met some great orthodontists, and I have some wonderful guests for future episodes on these topics lined up for you. So that was really exciting for me. However, and just to warn you, this is one of those stories where people complain about their horrible airplane experience. Yesterday was crazy. I woke up at 4 a.m. in Detroit to catch a 6 a.m. flight that was supposed to land in Boston at 8, and I ended up getting into Boston at 4 p.m. There's something uniquely demoralizing about taxiing all the way out to the runway and then having the captain say, we're returning to the gate for mechanical failure. There's something about getting out there. You're all excited. You're ready to go. And when that happens, not once, but twice in one day in two different airports, it makes for kind of a long day. Where I'm going with this is that normally on the podcast, I like to give you guys a book review or a tip of some sort. And that's just not going to happen today. Uh, It was all I could do to get this episode together and launched, ready to go. The good news is that we have a fantastic guest, Dr. Anne-Marie Gorska. Some of you may have heard her speak. And for those of you who haven't, I'm really excited to introduce her to you. We're going to talk about HR management and help you deal with some of the issues you might have with your team in your office, being a better manager, being a better leader, being aware of the laws and requirements that go along with that whole process. So without any further ado, we'll jump straight into the interview. I know you're going to like it. Dr. Anne-Marie Gorska has been a clinical orthodontist for over 25 years. After completion of her orthodontic residency program, she worked in Illinois with Dr. Tom Graber. Dr. Gorska then moved to California and opened Gorska Orthodontics in 1996. In addition to her private practice, she is an adjunct clinical professor at the University of the Pacific School of Dentistry. She's a frequent lecturer, including multiple presentations at the American Association of Orthodontists annual session. Dr. Gorzica is the author of the book, It All Starts with Marketing, 201 Marketing Tips for a Growing Dental Practice, and more recently, Beyond the Morning Huddle, HR Management for a Successful Dental Practice. A graduate of Wellesley College and Harvard School of Dental Medicine, Dr. Gorzica completed her orthodontic residency at Northwestern University. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Gorzica. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Please call me Anne-Marie. I will. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm such a big fan of your books, and I've I've read them, I think, a couple times, especially the HR book we're going to talk about today, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about your family and your practice and, and where you're at today. Well, my practice is located in Antioch, California, which is east of San Francisco, about an hour and a half drive, and uh, I've been practicing there since 1996. I graduated Northwestern in 1990. Uh, when I joined the faculty at uh, University of the Pacific, a very good friend of mine, Dr. Maureen Valley from San Rafael, California, she was the clinic director, and she was my classmate at the Harvard School of Public Health. And she was the one who really put together the practice management course in which I give six lectures. 
And out of all six of those lectures, I really think that the HR management is what young orthodontists and all orthodontists or all business owners struggle with the most. Absolutely. And I know in our study groups online and in my conversations with other people, that seems to occupy such a disproportionate amount of our mental energy, this staff thing. Why do you think we struggle with that so much? Well, I think it's because we're a little bit too nice. And what great HR managers know is not everyone has unlimited potential. And great HR managers know, the ones that work for Fortune 500 companies, they know when to call it quits. And I think that in our small businesses, where we work so closely with a very, very small team, we start treating our team like family instead of treating them as though they're employees and we're running a business. And because of that, we suffer at our own peril. My take-home message uh, for the HR management is that it requires courage to address the performance that we're not happy with, communication to discuss what needs to be approved, and then candor that we're always honest with our employees. And I think if we remember those three things, we will either get the results that we want or our employees will move on yeah. of their own volition because no one wants to let down their team and no one wants to let down their employer. Sure. For those listeners who haven't read the book, it's really great. And it's organized into kind of these sections and there's these case studies. And I felt like I really got this distilled version of all of these experiences that you've had. Are these all from your office? No, no, no. Oh, thank goodness. That, that would be a miracle <laughs> if they were all from my office. The book has, has 52 case studies. 50 of them are true. They are either from my office my friend's office, or they were stories relayed to me by HR professionals. How did you decide to become an author and become an expert in human resources? Well, it started with the course at um, the Arthur A. Dagoni School of Dentistry for the, for the orthodontic residents. I'd been doing these lectures for over 10 years. And it is very easy for me to write the books because I have all my notes, I have all my references. But honestly, uh, Lance, I'm going to tell you what inspired me to write the HR book. I visited my dental accountant one night. I walked into his office for my meeting, and he had a look on his face like a ghost. And I said, what's wrong? And he said... I just sold a practice to a very young, very talented orthodontist, and he took his own life. Whoa. And I said to myself, that is absolutely terrible. And that is a very unnecessary, unwanted situation for us ever in our orthodontic profession, for any orthodontist to ever even think of. 
And I said to myself, you know, somebody has to tell the story truthfully how difficult it is to run an orthodontic office, a dental office, a small business. And out of everything, the HR is what will really make you discouraged or make you feel alone. Because if you don't have a team that is 100% on your side, or if you have a team that one or two members are actually plotting against you, uh, that is a very uncomfortable, very difficult situation to be in. And it does exist. For sure. So that, that's why in my book I discuss uh, the dis- dysfunctional behaviors because here we are, we're highly trained orthodontists, we've gone to good colleges, we've gone to dental school, and we're the cream of the crop, we're in our residency, and now we go out to start our practices. And we are hiring from a pool of uh, population with such different life experiences than we've had. And we need to understand uh, the potential things that can happen, the things we might experience, um, because they're not things that we've experienced being in college, being in dental school, being in our residency, or even being in our home or in our neighborhood with the people that we may have associated with for our entire lives. That's a good point. So I always say, you know, why does this happen to uh, dentists and orthodontists that we have difficulty? And I say, number one, we're too nice. We don't address the issues. We're too nice. Number two, uh, we've been in the ivory tower a little bit too long. <laughs> and then number three, uh, we, we cannot make excuses for performance. You know, performance is performance. The employee either produces or they don't. And a lot of times we make excuses. Let's say we have an employee whose attendance is poor, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we might make excuses. Oh, well, she has children. Oh, well, you know, she has illness in her family. Oh, she has this, she has that. When we make excuse after excuse, instead of just saying, your performance demonstrates that you're only present 80% of the time. And this is a huge burden on the entire team and the whole office. I'm concerned that perhaps your attendance is um, influencing our your job, your ability to do this job, and that you may not be able to do this job to the performance standard that I have set for the office. Now, anything you address in your office with an employee, it's always in terms of performance. Your performance, your performance, your performance. Everything you document is performance. You don't ever want to say, I feel, I feel you're not trying hard enough, or I feel this. It's not feelings. It's, It's yes or no. It's black or white. Either they're performing or they're not. Yeah, to come come at it with facts, kind of more of a data-driven sort of thing. Let me circle back around to the book. 
So the book lays out things in, you give six kind of main areas. And I don't know if these are kind of standard HR divisions, but you talk about recruitment and integration of new employees, HR management, kind of the day-to-day, and then feedback, distribution of resources, and employment law. Are those kind of standard divisions of HR topics? Yes. The standard divisions, as you just mentioned, um, recruitment, integration, management, feedback, termination, and distribution of resources. Those, if you are a professional HR manager, those are the six jobs that you will be in charge of. So if you're an orthodontist who has employees, you just got six more areas of responsibility if you don't have an office manager who's doing this for you. Yes, and you have to do it yourself because even your office manager is your employee. Yes. (laughs) So you are responsible. The office manager is not going to be making the final decision who's going to be hired or who's going to be terminated or who's going to get raises or or whatever. Right. So this is an area that every orthodontist should strive to educate themselves in a little bit Absolutely. to stay out of trouble. That's why we've got you on the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about recruitment. Okay. In your book, you say... Attitude is everything. And that's the quote from your book. And I totally mm-hmm. support that. And I love that. Why do you think attitude is the most important factor when you're hiring a new employee? Because anyone with a good attitude is trainable. Depending on what job you have, whether it's a clinical assistant or it's a front desk person, if the person has a positive attitude and they get along well with the team, they fit into your organization. Even if you hire someone with no work experience, someone with no work experience with a positive attitude will outperform someone with 20 years work experience with a negative attitude. Yeah. So, and you will be a lot happier having someone with a positive attitude. That's amazing how true that is and how... When you get that new employee, are you considering between two different employees, one who's seasoned and experienced, and then you hire the young person with, or maybe not young, I don't think that age has anything to do with it, the mm-hmm. attitude, but you hire that person who's enthusiastic and who wants to be there and how quickly they learn and how quickly they're at the level of your other more experienced staff sometimes is almost breathtaking. Yes. And one thing to watch out for is the job hopper that when you are recruiting, and you're interviewing, and you see a resume, and the person has switched from office to office to office to office to office, that person, you can be assured, they will not stay in your office long. They're a job hopper. And even if they know the computer system, see, and that's a big thing for orthodontists, like they want to hire someone who knows the computer system. You may be better off with someone who absolutely does not know the computer system, that you're going to have one or two days of training, but who has a positive attitude, who wants to be on your team, and uh, is really going to be an asset to the team in terms of teamwork and customer service and positive attitude. Yeah. I would say you can always train for skills, but you cannot give someone a positive attitude who is, which is not in their nature. For sure. And I've had the experience of, of hiring someone and 
even within a few days or a few weeks, I, I realize it's just not working out the way. And, and it's, it's an awful feeling. And I totally feel that it's my fault. In other words, I feel like I made an error in the hiring process, probably because I wasn't as thorough in some way as I should have been. And in your book, you have this 13-step process that you go through. Explain to our listeners, not, not really the, so much the process itself, but, but why you need a system, why you need a process in place. One thing that I would say is crucial in the 13-step process, and I'll just go through this very quickly. You're going to collect resumes. You're going to do a phone interview. You're going to check references. Then you're going to do a very quick office meet and greet. Interview the candidate. Check the license. And then this is critical, number seven, skills assessment. When you start to narrow down your candidates, and maybe you have two that you're deciding between, invite them into the office for a skills assessment interview. Pay them minimum wage, but if they're going to answer the phone, let them answer the phone. If they're going to be back in the clinical area, they don't necessarily have to sit down and, and seat a band but let them just hang out with the other team members, maybe sterilize some instruments to get a feel for how they work in your office and with the other people. After they pass the skills assessment once, I would have the team take them out to lunch alone without you because the team will assess that new candidate in a different way than you will and then have a team meeting and then when you narrow it down, have the person come back for a skills assessment one more time. And then after that, have it be a unanimous decision of the team. Everyone has a say that you are going to hire this person. Now, that's important because if one or two team members are not for the new hire, they're going to make it difficult for that person to be a success. So you want everyone to agree, this is the person that we want, and then it's everyone's responsibility to make that new person a success. Yeah. Then you're going to do a final background check, and then you're going to give the offer. And you are going to give the offer what you would like to pay. You know, every, every new hire, you ask, what would you like to be paid? And some people answer just ridiculous uh, sure, why not? Uh, why not? You know, but to say, well, this is what I'm willing to pay someone like you with your years of experience and your level of performance. And then you give your offer and then they either take it or they don't take it. Yeah. And you say in the book, another one of the quotes from the book I've written down here is time spent hiring is time well spent. And I feel like I need to chant that to myself or something because I have such an aversion to the whole process. And I know I'm not the only one, you know, orthodontist, when a staff member leaves, there's just this dread of going through this process again. Well, I would give it at least a month. Okay. Two weeks minimum. Don't rush into it. I mean, just to gather the resumes that you can possibly get. And also let, uh, let your teammates get the word out in the dental community that you have an opening because they may be able to recruit one of their friends from dental assisting school or the word gets out, but it needs a little bit of time to get out. Sure. Also, it's great to keep resumes on file. If you have people that, 
have come to your office looking for a job and you don't have an opening, keep the resume on file. Yeah, that's great advice. So once I hire what I hope is the right person, then I'm often so overwhelmed with other stuff going on in my practice and the training system is sometimes me just saying, go watch Mary or Candy and you'll figure it out. You'll be great in no time. And I, and I want to have something more in place, but do you have any advice for that situation? What I would suggest is that you partner the person with a more senior person in that job that they're doing. So if they're doing dental assisting in the back, uh, have them teamed up with a senior assistant and she knows it is her responsibility for the next 90 days to train the new hire. Uh, one thing that's really crucial is don't overwhelm the person. Teach them one skill at a time. Right. And when the one skill is learned, move on to the next skill. And when that's learned, move on to the next skill. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people quit because they are so overwhelmed by being given so many new things all at once. And I wrote in the book, and I did research this, that 31% of new hires in the United States, it doesn't matter what job they're doing, they quit in the first six months. Wow. So you, you have a um, two out of three chance that that person will stay. Yeah, one thing I find helpful is to talk to the people every evening at the end of the day for the first week almost. And then it's twice a week. And I, I feel like there's a lot of communication between me and the new hire, which I find helps me understand where they are and helps them feel supported or kind of tells them focus on this. Don't worry about that. seems like there's a lot of extra communication there at the beginning. Yeah, I think that's very, very good. And the one thing I would watch for in the first 90 days is attendance. If their attendance is poor, in the first 90 days, it's going to be poor forever. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And I, and I put in my book that uh, the Ritz-Carlton, who has written a very excellent book on customer service, they dismiss 20% of new hires in the first 90 days. And the number one reason is attendance. Wow. Attendance. That, those are great statistics because I feel like, mm -hmm. man, if that's the Ritz-Carlton... <laughs> And I'm sure their hiring process has to be infinitely better than mine. So um, here's another question I have. It seems to me that HR is this kind of balance between systems and leadership. You can't just have half of it, it seems. You can't just have all of these policies in place. So what's the role of, of being a leader versus just having a, a book of, of instructions or policies? Policies are laws. I mean, uh, HR is 50% law that you are enforcing laws and 50% psychology. And in that psychology comes the leadership. And the leadership is getting the job done. You lead by example. So whatever you'd like done, whether it's uh, organization or teamwork or whatever, um, your leadership, you have to emphasize those things, make time for those things, and put those things in place. Yeah, I find it's tough to be a leader to say, here's something we're going to focus on, or here's an area where we're weak. And 
I feel like I do it in my own life and, and maybe I'm used to that, but sometimes almost staff don't know how to take those sorts of comments. In fact, this reminds me of a story. One of the doctors I bought out said she had an employee tell her once, why do you have to call us out on every little thing we do wrong? And the orthodontist is thinking to herself, if you only knew how many mistakes I notice and I don't even comment on. Mm-hmm. And and every time I think about that, it, it just highlights to me that we don't have, sometimes we don't have the ability or we have trouble communicating and giving feedback on a daily basis. And we're, is it, you think it's because we're uncomfortable with the confrontation or we don't have the language? How do we kind of manage those day-to-day things about being a leader or, or giving correction? Confrontation is hard. And I would not term it confrontation. I would term it uh, communication, that you are communicating in a positive way the performance that you're looking for. Scientific studies have been done to show that for uh, corrective communication, you need four positive comments to balance one corrective communication. So this is where complimenting your employees, rewarding your employees, doing nice things for your employees becomes very, very important because if you're doing that on an ongoing basis and then you throw in every one out of five times, by the way, I really need you to get all those lateral steps digitized by tomorrow and you are two weeks behind, right? Right. If you throw that in, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But if all you're doing and if the only time you're talking to your team is when you're criticizing, well, then that's going to be a negative work environment for them. Absolutely. You've got to be proactive about putting those compliments in the bank so that when it comes time for you to give some course correction, you've got a little bit of goodwill built up. And you get what you reward. Uh, one thing I do is I give a reward every team meeting once a month. I give someone a customer service award. I do it publicly in front of the whole group. And when you do that, not only does the person work harder, but everyone there is, you know, admiring that person and saying, Oh boy you know, I'd like to get that award or I'm going to work a little bit harder because that would be nice. I'd like to be recognized. That's a good idea. I give 25, uh, just a $25 gift certificate with a thank you card. But little things like that go a tremendously long way. Right. One other question I have is about performance reviews. How do you do that in your office? How often and what's kind of the sequence? Do you tie those in with raises or do you try to not tie them in with raises? How how do you do these reviews? Well, it's a good idea to do reviews once a year, whether or not you're going to give raises. And um, studies have shown that employees who get performance reviews actually are happier in their jobs because they feel like they are valued, that their work is important, that their work is appreciated. And uh, I use a standard form. I get it from HR Direct. If you go on the internet and look up HR Direct, you can get employee evaluation form. It has different categories and you grade the employee on a scale of one to five and they get a score. 
And, um, and the other thing I like about that form is it has an area where you can list the achievements of the year. What did the employee achieve that year? And then you can list goals for the next year. So they can have something to work on uh, to develop themselves uh, for the next year. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. I feel like we're very informal or irregular, perhaps, with our reviews. We try to do them every year, but I keep changing the format because I haven't found anything I like. So every year it's a little bit different. Well, that's, you know, do what you feel comfortable with. The other thing I would advise is let your employees give you a review. Let the team get together and fill out an employee form and give you a review because you will find out what's on their minds, what they want you to improve, and how you can become a better leader. That's fantastic. I think I'm definitely going to try that. The most important thing for me in, in my practice, and I'm sure it's, I know it's the same for you, is to have a culture of excellence and customer service. And how do, how do you communicate that? I feel like policies, sometimes that's hard to do. How do you get your employees to be disciples of the Gorzica orthodontic, excellent customer service way? Well, uh, one easy thing you can do just to start off is you can give them different jobs in customer service. For example, the person who sits closest to the door is the welcome concierge. You have your treatment coordinator. She is the person who greets the person by name and, and so on and so forth. So you can give everyone a specific customer service job. That would make it fun. Another thing you can do is you can have a uh, customer service survey at the front desk that has every team member's name on it in addition to the doctor. So that, I usually give these out on debon day, that uh, the families and the patients can write whatever they want to say about any team member on the team. And uh, that is just really great feedback. And uh, that can really make them feel good about what they're doing in the office. I'll give you an example. I put braces on my own little son um, last week. He's 11 years old. And I gave him the customer service feedback form to fill out. And uh, Dana, who was the assistant that put his braces on, uh, and it's graded on a scale of 1 to 10. He gave her a 20. <laughs> he said, she is great. She is great. Now, he gave me a 7. Oh, okay? And I'm like, Richard, what's up? He said, okay, mom, you put the band on. And you, I asked you, is it going to hurt? And you said, no, it's not going to hurt. He said, well, it does hurt a little bit. And he, he said, I don't think you should tell your patients it's not going to hurt. I think you should tell them you're going to feel a little pressure and it will only last for 10 seconds. Uh, that would be a better thing to tell them because then they'd be prepared that you're going to push down on the band. So I'm like, okay, Richard, thanks for the feedback. I love that. But then again, it goes to your core values. And in my office, we have three core values, clinical excellence, outstanding customer service, and a great patient experience. And I actually make every team member memorize 
those three core values. And we call it our elevator pitch. That uh, I tell them, if you meet someone in the elevator walking down the street in the supermarket, and they ask you, tell me about Grisco Orthodontics, I want them to say, we are clinically excellent. We pride ourselves on outstanding customer service. And if you come to our office, you're going to have a great patient experience. Great advice. I did the same thing about a year ago. I We went through as a team and we said, what are the reasons why you would choose us? And we took a whole staff meeting because I had the same feeling. Like if someone asked my staff why they would come to our office, I wanted to make sure they had intelligent answers, not just, we're great. Right. Because you don't want your team members saying, oh, I don't know. It's it's a nice place. Uh, I like working there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What else haven't we covered that you want to hit on for, for HR management? Okay. I would like to focus on something very, very important. One is embezzlement. Embezzlement is very high in orthodontics and in dentistry. I had very good input on the book from David Harris from Prosperident Fraud Investigation. And he, he told me there are 305 documented ways for someone to embezzle from your office. The only way you can catch embezzlement is by abnormal behavior. So um, that's very, very important for your listeners to know. Uh, two things that have come up in 2017 that are cutting-edge issues. Uh, one is social media policy. There was a big lawsuit against uh, a restaurant chain that had a very restrictive social media policy, and they lost. And you have to consider that social media is freedom of speech. Employees talking about their job is freedom of speech. Employees talking about whether or not they got a raise is freedom of speech. So you have to be very careful what you put in your handbook. You can't put in, uh, I don't want you talking about uh, your individual benefits or raises or anything like that. That would not be legal for you to talk about that. Right. Um, another thing that is current for 2017 is some states have legalized marijuana. Obviously, that is not a type of activity that we want our employees participating in or bringing into the office. So you have to update your manuals to specify, if you want to specify, just as you say, uh, smoking. You know, you can put in your manual, cigarette smoking is prohibited in our office, in our premises, in the parking lot, or whatever you can put the same thing in for for marijuana. Yeah. But you need you need to have it in writing in your manual. And so if you're in a state that has those legalized marijuana laws, mm-hmm. what I'm hearing though is that you really only can restrict the use of that in and on your premises. That is correct. But you still can put that in your policy and procedure manual. Right. That you don't want to smell it. You don't want to see it. You don't want all of that. That's new in 2017. And the last take-home message for all the listeners is if you do not have a policy and procedure manual that you use, that all your employees have signed, that you update every year, you are living and working in a lawless land. You are not going to be able to enforce 
anything legally if you do not have that policy and procedure manual. And I've spoken to attorneys and they've said that it is extremely hard to ever um, uh, represent anyone in court on an HR issue when they do not even have a policy and procedure manual. Where would someone go if they don't have that? What would be a good resource to get them started? The person I recommend the most is Barbara Freed at Human Resource Advisors. She is located right here in California. If you go on the internet, you will find her. She is just a valuable resource to the dental community and orthodontic community. I I really think that she's fantastic. And uh, she works with dentists and physicians in all 50 states. She's been in practice for probably like 30 or 40 years. She's she's really one of the best. That's great. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure our listeners are going to just get a ton out of this information. Again, for people listening in, Dr. Gorzica's new book is Beyond the Morning Huddle, HR Management for Successful Dental Practice. And Amazon, is that the best place to find it? The best place to buy it is on Amazon. And thank you, Lance. It's been a pleasure. I'm so happy that you have started this podcast series and I know it's going to be a huge success and it's a real needed resource for the orthodontic community. Thank you. Thank you so much. much. If listeners have questions for you, can they reach out to you in the Elevate Ortho Facebook group or what's the best way to get a hold of you? The best way would be by private email and I'll give you my private email. It's A-M-G-O-R-T-H-O at AOL.com. Okay. And you can find me on Facebook and find me on Twitter also. Perfect. Thanks again, Anne-Marie, and have a great night. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. I want to give another thanks to Dr. Anne-Marie Gorska for coming on the show. If you have the opportunity to see her or meet her in person, I'd encourage you to do so and ask her any questions you have. She'll be available in our Elevate Ortho podcast group if you have any follow-up questions for her. Check out our website, elevateorthopodcast.com. Tell your friends about the podcast who are orthodontists and who might be interested. Leave us a review on iTunes. Have a great week. We'll see you back next time. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode. 